Hello, Orlando. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house. Holly G. We are back for season number 11. And uh, it's good to be back on the radio. And I'm happy to announce that uh, I've got a very special sidekick, Caddy, and uh, co-host for the 2019 season. <laughs> He's been a frequent guest on the Gulf Insiders and recently has moved back to Orlando. We're so happy to have him here. Jeff Shane in the house. Did you miss me? Literally, just squeaking <laughs> in. I bet you don't miss the traffic on I-4, do you, buddy? The the traffic away from I-4 wasn't very good today either. And, uh, uh, you know, with, when you, you always use the, uh, the phrase, the fairways of I-4. That's now ground under repair. Exactly. Big, big time. <laughs> um, Ultimate I-4 is a few years uh, down the road. But um, hopefully we'll keep you entertain you can kick back um we've just come from a fantastic day out at arnie's place bay hill and lodge the 41st arnold palmer invitational always a big week here in orlando jeff and uh it's just so much fun for those of us in the golf industry to be part of this event it's a week that uh, the golf uh, community of Orlando definitely looks forward to, and I think a lot of the golf community outside Orlando has looked forward to. We get a lot of media that comes down uh, ahead of the Masters, now ahead of the Players Championship again. Um, the the crowds have been, uh, the weather's been a little chilly and maybe dr- driven some of them away, but boy, when we get to the first tee times tomorrow and the warmer weather, it, Bay Hill's going to be what we remember it to be. And the course is in just pristine condition. Uh, we were out there for a little bit earlier today, and uh, there's just there's just so much going on, um, which we'll get to in a few minutes. But uh, let's let's talk about what happened over the weekend. So we're we're back to a real Florida swing, yes. um, <laughs> starting with the Honda last weekend, and it did not disappoint. Um, First-time winner, Keith Mitchell, not a name probably a lot of us are familiar with. Well, and, and if, if you're a Keith Mitchell fan or relative or whatever, um, his mother, whatever, uh, you're not going to like the headline that was in the Palm Beach Post on Monday where uh, in, in big, bold, all-caps type at the top of the sports section, it said, no-name winner. Yikes! Uh, yeah, that... Uh, uh, I understand that he was not Ricky Fowler. He was not Brooks Kepka. He is not VJ Singh. Lucas but, Glover. <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. But you got to win your first somewhere. And we've ha- actually had a couple of tournaments like this where the big names have been in the hunt and made a charge, and somebody uh, who's just having a great week pips them at the end. It happened at the Desert Classic with Adam Long, beating Adam Hadwin and Phil Mickelson with a putt on the 18th green. And it happened again with Keith Mitchell. Uh, And even NBC had trouble with the name because I don't know if Dan Hicks had some old baseball references in his mind, but uh, uh, Kevin Mitchell, the former Met, is not on the PGA Tour. (laughs) 
that indeed. Um, He's well, going to have to work on that name recognition. It, it was it was an exciting finish down the stretch. Um, obviously, the the bear trap gives us uh, some you know great finishing holes, sixteen, seventeen, and eighteen, and. Uh, Ryan Palmer posting a 63 early, which yeah. uh, really gave a, all the guys a number to shoot for. Uh, I think probably, you know, as always, we just had this great mix of, of storylines going on. VJ potentially winning at 56 years old. Would have made him the oldest winner on the PGA Tour, a couple of years older than, than Sam Snead. And, and we all thought, you know, Sam Snead's record uh, was not going to be touched, but uh, I guess... We we had a taste of it a little bit up until the playoff at Burkdale uh, with Tom Watson, and that might have been the story literally for the ages. Uh, but Vijay Singh, I, I've said it many times, he's got the work ethic, and he stays in shape. He does not have a 56-year-old body, although you have to wonder just after how many millions of golf balls he hits on the range, and you see him... Uh, with half hour before sunset, and he's still out there. He still finds a way, not every week, and you don't do that at 56, but there's going to be those weeks where the conditions are just right, he's feeling it just right, and he's going to be in the mix. It was just a couple of years ago, he almost won the Quicken Loans National over at, uh, not Congressional, but uh, the other course that they were at. And he, well, you know, he. I think the the missing link there was, uh, and I had a couple of bets with some friends who were, you know, were taking VJ. I said I'll take the field because uh, he does have a 56 year old putting stroke, unfortunately, <laughs> and uh, that proved to be, you know, kind of the the the, you know, what what happened on Sunday, along with a couple of, you know, a couple of missed shots here and there. But um, you know, hats off to Keith Mitchell and. And Ricky, you know, just seemed to all of a sudden be in the mix. He just is kind of going about his business, and then there he is. And, of course, Brooks, we've come to expect uh, the kinds of things that he can do coming from the from the. Although, back. oddly enough, this was the first time Brooks had really had a good Honda Classic, which is a little odd because he grew up in West Palm Beach. He played junior tournaments at PGA National. He's seen the champion course many, many times, maybe – you know, only a couple of times under Honda Classic conditions, but it's not an unfamiliar golf course to him. He did not have a top 25 there until last week. And so Brooks kept it coming through a little bit. And, and maybe that's a, a little uh, foreshadowing for what we might see at Bay Hill this week because Brooks doesn't have a top 25 here either, but he's coming off overcoming that at PGA National. Interesting because, you know, you would think again – playing in Florida as much as he has, that, you know, he'd be very comfortable. Uh, and, of course, we know lots of changes with the tour schedule this year that we're all trying to get used to. We're a week <laughs> early with the Arnold Palmer this week. The players is back in yes. March mm-hmm. next week. Um and interestingly, with the players being in May, of course, uh, probably the biggest question is Augusta's on everybody's mind, you know, leading into the Arnold Palmer. But now, too, you got the players thinking about the players. And in terms of putting the schedule together, uh, in one case, everything old is new again because the Arnold Palmer Invitational is right ahead of the players. I think that's a great slot for 
uh, Bay Hill and, and the people at, at uh, the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Uh, but the players before was only two weeks ahead of the Masters. Now there's a little bit more separation. We have one more Florida Swing event that follows, and then we got two events in Texas. So we're going to have a good three-week uh, break, or not a break, but a three-week gap uh, to kind of let the players breathe on its own. But we're going to, if the weather is as changeable next week as it has been this week, it could be very interesting out at TPC Sawgrass. It sure could be. You're listening to Golf Insiders. We are here. We're back for Season 11. The Arnold Palmer Invitational begins tomorrow. And uh, I'm sitting, uh, Holly G, here with my, my co-host for the 2019 season, Jeff Shane, who's been a frequent guest on the show and was the former Orlando Sentinel writer. In fact, uh, he's he's doing some uh, writing for them this week. It's great to have you back. Well, and, and I'm glad to be back. There got to be a point after three years, or uh, it, the, the process started before the three-year mark, uh, where I'd come back to Florida, do some events uh, in my freelance capability, and I'd, uh, the moment actually happened down at the Biltmore in Coral Gables. I'm standing on the 18th fairway, and I, I say, what am I what am I doing here? I should be in Florida. I need to find a way back to Florida. And you were a help and circumstances, all the dominoes fell into place and glad to be back. Well, we're looking forward to a fantastic year ahead. And we kick it off as we always do with the Kings tournament, the Arnold Palmer Invitational and um, one of the best fields they've had in 12 years, Jeff. It's pretty exciting. Um, you know, Phil is playing. He's he hasn't played in since 2013, I think. And uh, unfortunately, Tiger's out due to a neck injury. But it's a pretty stout. It's lineup. a very strong field, and I I think there there's a number of of factors that that came into that. Uh, as I mentioned with the scheduling, being right back in front of the players. If you think you need a a little bit of a run up in over to TPC Sawgrass. Now you come here, it's a, it's a good course to prepare at. I think that's a big reason why Phil came back. Phil, in the last few years, did not play the Florida swing at all. He didn't play Honda. He went to Mexico, took the next two weeks off, Felspar and Bay Hill, and then went to the match play uh, in Austin. So to see him back in this uh, part of the country is absolutely great. Um, it is uh, six of the top ten, 12 of the top 20, 32 of the top 50. It's a very strong tournament. Uh, I won't say it's the strongest uh, that we've had this year because I think Riviera was also really strong. Torrey Pines uh, is is typically strong, and I don't have all those numbers in front of me. But uh, this is this is what we've been waiting for, and to have uh, even with Tiger not here, a great uh, a great field to to take a look at. Well, um, Rory is the defending champion. He looked uh, very rested and and ready to go today in the press room. Uh, anything in Rory's comments that uh, you know got your attention? It just struck me how calm he was, almost uh, like an ambassador. And maybe he feels that way at a, as defending champion at a place that he has grown to love. It took him until 2015 to get here, and he says, "I made a mistake." Uh, I should have been here a lot sooner, but I think he enjoys that spotlight. He's obviously playing fantastic. He's got four top five finishes in four starts since the calendar turned to 2019. I think 
him rearranging the schedule uh, has uh, and focusing just on the U.S. events has really helped him out. But he seemed uh, he 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 just seemed calm and ready to go, not champing at the bit, not thinking too much about the Masters. Uh, he knows it's going to come, and I, I've been telling people for a few weeks, Rory's close. It may not happen on the West Coast, but I bet it happens in Florida. Well, we are going to see. We're on the eve of the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Uh, we have a lot to talk about tonight. A great lineup of our golf insiders coming to us live from the press room. You are listening to the Golf Insiders Season 11, we are back, and we will be right back. Stay with us. Quite an impact, actually, uh, when he shanked a three iron and hit me in the back of the head. I can't believe I'm into this. I really hate to lose. We're back, the Golf Insiders, celebrating our 11th season in the house, Holly G. 11 years. Along with, oh, I'm just so happy I got the best caddy that's not on the PGA Tour. Jeff Shane is in the house for the 2019 season back in Orlando for those of you uh, who remember or don't remember, Jeff was our longtime golf writer at the Orlando Sentinel. Before that, he was at the Miami Herald. He has been covering sports and golf around the Sunshine State and across the country for a long time, and it's great to have you as my sidekick, my friend. Thank you very much. Uh, I was uh, giving uh, Kyle some background for the website, and uh, I realized that this is my 20th year covering golf. Uh, it does go by really, really fast. Uh, there was a time when I started out, I thought Tiger Woods won every tournament. Uh-huh. <laughs> and our first guest, who is our uh, big dog, our favorite golf insider, he's, he, I think he's got to beat on the 20 years. Yes, he does. Uh, Bob Herrig from ESPN.com. Hey, Bob. Hey, we don't talk about how long it's been. <laughs> I know. We're starting to, you know, get that. Grizzly veteran, uh, you know, title next to our names. Bob, I remember you were, uh, were you at St. Pete or Tampa? Uh, yeah, St. Pete, yep. Yeah, exactly. covering the LPGA when I was there. Yep, a long time ago, but um, still uh, trying to keep kicking, and just like Jeff, so uh, it's all good. Well, you know, we're excited. Arnold Palmer, big, you know, this is our big event here in Orlando, um, but You've been out, uh, you know, most of the season already, beginning in January, and I'd just like to get some of your thoughts. Um, we've had some great winners uh, coming out of the box in January. Xander Shoffley, uh, Matt Kuchar, Justin Rose, Ricky Fowler, Phil, DJ at the WGC, and then the likes of Adam Long, a, a newbie, and last week Keith Mitchell. Um how do you see how are things you know been out there, and what do you see happening this week? Yeah, I mean we've had you know a, a mix of good winners. Um, we've had a couple of you know changes at the top of the world ranking already. Uh, uh, <clears throat> you know, with Justin Rose getting there, Kepka was there. Uh, Dustin Johnson is now number one, but 
uh, Rose or Kepka could uh, displace him this week. Um, and, you know, we've had some controversies, too. Let's face it. Uh, the rules thing has been uh, a bigger deal than I would have expected. Um, we've, you know, we had the whole Matt Kuchar thing. Uh, we had Sergio in Saudi Arabia, which, of course, just the, having a tournament there was questionable in, in and of itself. And, uh, you know, and, and Tiger's been back too, and now, but, but not playing because of an injury this week, which, uh, you know, is a little bit concerning. So, um, lots of stuff going on and, and, and plenty of good stuff as well. Did you think that it was going to be a slow season from January to the start of March? <laughs> you know, there's always something, but I, I'm not sure I expected that much. Um, you know, the amount of, uh, you know, the amount of sort of, I don't know, I don't know if controversy is the right word or just sort of noise, uh, you know, yeah, noise, exactly. The amount of noise uh, is, is probably more for a, you know, six, eight week period than, you know, sometimes we don't see that much in a year in golf. Uh, but, uh, you know, from week one, we've had the, the, the rural stuff that, you know, again, was a big story last week at the Honda. Um, you know, the Sergio and Kucher stuff that led to apologies was a couple of weeks of stuff. And, uh, you know, obviously you have Phil winning. It's a big deal. Uh, you have, you know, Tiger, you know, anytime he plays, it's a big deal. Uh, so, uh, a good win for Ricky early in the year. Uh, you know, so lots of, um, you know, and Matt Kucher's won twice this season now already. You know, he won in the fall also. So mm-hmm. it's, um, you know, uh, uh, plenty of good stuff with, with a really, you know, big, uh, nice field tournament here, one of the best of the year, uh, and, uh, you know, the Masters kind of lurking around the corner. Now, it was interesting. Uh, Justin Rose made a comment, Bob, today in the press conference. He said, it's tough to take time off when you're way behind on the FedEx Cup and guys are earning points left, right, and center. Uh, you know, so I, I think it's really, you know, sort of compress things for these guys to get out there and, you know, and, and rack up some points. Yeah. I mean, the, the, um, the way the schedule is now, you know, basically the season ending approximately a month earlier, you know, means that, uh, you know, there's like three or four less tournaments on the schedule. Uh, you know, we, by the time we get to the masters, we're basically, uh, you know, almost halfway through the season already. And next year when there's more events in the fall, that'll definitely be the case. So, well, yeah, and know, I think it was that way even in, in recent years. I, I, I recall reading something a couple of years ago that said the Masters was at the midway point of the, of the wraparound schedule when it took place. And, and, you know, when you think about it that way, you know, back in the old days, there were guys who didn't play their first events until like right about now. Yeah, right. You, you know, and so that that model isn't going to work if you want to be part of it. Um, you know, come playoff time, and you know, I think what we found is after some skepticism, they do want to be part of that. You know, that's the the playoff thing is a big deal. Getting to the tour championship and being among the top thirty now with only three playoff events, just two playoff events before the tour championship being in the top 30 is not that easy and you know to justin rose's point the fact that he's won a tournament now already you know pretty much assures him of a really you know 
almost a lot to be in the tour championship, uh, certainly with not a whole lot more effort. And uh, that's why it's big to get off to a good start early. And that's why, you know, guys who don't play much in the fall and, you know, you can throw Tiger out there. He didn't play any in the fall. Yeah, now he he's only played. He's played only three events and he's missing out on a, on one where you would expect him to, to get points. You know, he's, um, he's got his work cut out for him this year because, you know, there's no guarantee that, he'll have the same results that he did a year ago at some of these tournaments where obviously he you know was second at the at the PGA and contended at the Open and you know had several other high finishes you know he's going to need to match that and more frankly to you know to be back in a position to uh to defend his title at the Tour Championship which is actually going to be a different format to to try and win it all anyway interesting uh comment by Rory today, of course, a lot of questions about, you know, are his thoughts on the Masters. This is obviously going to be something that people continue to ask him, uh, you know, about the Grand Slam. Uh, but, you know, he mentioned it. It's interesting how this year could be shaping up where potentially he, if he wins the Masters and Jordan wins the PGA and Phil wins the Open, which being at Pebble would seem like a potentially comfortable place for him. Uh, we could have three Grand Slam winners. Yeah. I mean, that would be incredible if that did happen. Frankly, you know, I think if one of them does it, <laughs> it's pretty amazing because it's just so hard for those stars to align. There's a reason only five guys have done it. And, you know, let's be honest, two of them, the first two, Thayer's and Hogan, did it when they didn't realize they were doing it. You know, there, there really right. wasn't there really wasn't any talk of that, you know, of the four majors in that realm. It sort of became after the fact for them. You know, Gary Player is really the first one that that was you know knew what he was going for, and Jack, of course, and then Tiger. Uh, and you know, there's some great, great, great players in the game who didn't do it. Arnold, for one, Tom Watson. You know, in fact, both those guys never won the PGA. Uh, so, um, you know, for what, what's, what's funny in Rory's case is that, you know, he's on a run of five straight top tens at the Masters. And, of course, in 2011, he has this 54-hole leader. Um, and, and many people would have thought that would be the one he'd win. Easy. You know, first or the easiest, you know, and he doesn't have that one. And, and uh, I, I appreciate his honesty. He's, he's admitted that it's, it's something he really, really wants and, it's a um, uh, it's it's a goal that might have he might have been put too much pressure on himself in those first couple of years and uh, hopefully uh, you know he's he, he he talked about it quite honestly but hopefully he's able to uh, you know put himself in position again he sort of did last year and then you know was right there uh, you know on Sunday obviously playing with with uh, Patrick Reed and and kind of had a chance early on and missed a putt and then and then that was sort of it. But, um, you know, uh, I, I think uh, I think we all feel like he's certainly got the ability to get it done there. Of all the headlines, expected and unexpected, which one kind of strikes you as as maybe the 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 thread that is carried through uh, these first two months of calendar 2019? Well, you know, I have to say the rules thing. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it's. It's it's surprising to me that it has become such an issue. And part of it is, I think, 
there there's frustration with the USGA that's boiling over with some of the players. Uh, you know, whether it be um, the setups of the U.S. Opens, whether it be, you know, the anchoring ban uh, that happened a few years ago that a lot of people didn't agree with, uh, whether it's, you know, the... Um, you know, the, the lack of regulation of equipment or however you feel, because what has happened in the rules to me is just, it, it doesn't make sense. Um, other than the caddy alignment thing that has now happened three times, mm-hmm. um, none of these things are that diff- difficult to grasp. I mean, whether, whether you like the new drop rule or not, the fact of the matter is, is you're supposed to drop from your knee, and it's really not that hard to do. <laughs> I've never seen these guys be so baffled by dropping and, it at your knee. And, and contorting and, themselves in weird ways to, to get the ball at knee level. It's not that I mean, difficult. Uh, bend over at the waist. <laughs> make sure your hand's over it. I mean... Who and got look, down on? I, who actually got down on their knees at one of the tournaments? I mean, I I understand if they don't like it because they're so used to it from another way, but these these rules were first unveiled two years ago. Yeah, two years ago, right around this time, the USGA had like a six month comment period, and I actually had this Twitter conversation with a with a with a um, professional golfer who's not a high-level player who who really took issue with the whole thing, and he was just baffled by, you know, why didn't we have more say? And I'm like, you did have a say. I, I mean, and he said, like, well, I don't remember anybody reaching out to me for a comment. I said, you, you'd have to be living under a rock to not have known about this, especially if it's your living. Exactly. I mean, and then, and then you know, they, they actually originally came out with um, – you were going to drop from an inch above the ground. And they got enough feedback on that to change it to the knee height. And, you know, people are like, well, why are they doing that? What difference does it make? Well, because they changed the rule about they want you to drop within the, in the length of the drop area. Like, so if it's a two – it used to be if you had two club lengths and a guy stood two, clumps, two club lengths away and he dropped it and the ball rolled out three club lengths, that's where you played from. Well, now the ball has to be within the two club lengths. So there's less chance of it rolling out if you drop it closer to the ground. They, they want it to take less time. So, and you look, you know, you read the rules, and you, again, other than the caddy alignment thing, which I, I realize is tricky, I think a lot of us were caught off guard by the actual, you know, how that was going to be applied. But once you've seen it come up a couple times now, you would think, damn sure I'm not going to let that happen. I'm not stepping into a shot if my caddy is behind me. I'm going to wait until he moves, and then I'm going to take my stance because that's the rule. The other stuff, I mean, you know, it's simple. I mean, we're talking about they don't call them hazards anymore. They call them penalty areas. Uh, They've made that simpler. A lot of these rules were meant to help. You don't get penalized if your ball moves on the green. Right. You don't get penalized if you accidentally move it. Or if you accidentally step on your ball looking for it in the rough. You know, things that we all thought were dumb, well, now, okay, you just put it back. You didn't mean to do that. So Common sense. I just think it's incredible that it has gotten to this level. I mean, I've tried to come up with a, a real-world example. And, you know, our tax laws changed a great deal in 2018. Anybody who prepares taxes for a living isn't going to wait until April 14th to learn what the new laws are. 
right? They're going to study it so that they don't make We hope. Uh, They don't have clients if they don't get prepared. (laughs) Right, exactly. So, you know, to me, that's a great example, you know, and and for these guys, we're talking about, what, nine or ten differences, most of them very subtle. The flagstick is so basic. Oh. The out of bounds rule isn't never is never going to apply at the pro level. Exactly. So I, I'm very surprised by the by the by the uh, outcry about it. Well, Bob, we'll see what happens over the next four days. We're uh, so happy to be back on the air. Happy to have you uh, back on the Golf Insiders. Check out all of Bob's coverage, ESPN.com, all the rest of the week. Thanks so much, Thanks. my friend. Thanks, guys. See ya. You listen to Golf Insiders 96.9 The Game. We will be right back. Hey, Harry, thanks a lot for all the security you provide for us. Well, it's my job to keep all those nuts away from you, Jake. That's just the way it is. Don't play in pebble, won't pay the price. I love my muni, I think it's nice. Swing in the house drives my wife up the wall. She shouldn't worry, I don't use a ball. It'd be good to just make part. We're back. The Golf Insiders in the house, Holly G, along with my sidekick. For the 2019 season, or what are we, 2018, 2019, then 2019, 2020, wrap around for the whole year the, of 2019. Exactly. And and even the tour, it, it's awkward in the fall when they start referring to the next year's season as that year when you're still in previous year. So the 2019 season, and we're in October 2018, but by this time of the year, it, it all works out. It's the 2019 season. It's going to be the 2019 FedEx Cup. That's right. Well, uh, it's great to have Jeff Shane here. As I said, this is the 11th season of the Golf Insiders. We're so happy to be back. And, of course, we're on the eve of the Arnold Palmer Invitational, the King, Bay Hill. Uh, it is going to be exciting. Uh, we've got six of the top ten um, if you got the numbers here. I don't, but it's just... It's <laughs> 12 a, of the top 20. It's a stacked field, all it right? It is. We it's, have that. And uh, we've got one of our favorite golf insiders uh, teed up here from the media center. The one, the only longtime sports writer for Sports Illustrated, our esteemed president of the Golf Writers Association of America, and a contributor to Morning Read, Gary Van Sickle. Hello, my friend. Well, you sounds like you people are really, you know, tangled up in hyphens, which I think was a Rolling Stone song. But, uh, <laughs> you know, as a writer, you know, Jeff just said it. You, when you when you write a sentence now about somebody, how, how they're playing, you have to really pay attention to whether you use the word year or season. Yeah. Because they mean two different things now. True. Yeah, and, and, and I'm sure you've run into it just as much as I have, or even – talking about it here on the radio or on a podcast, and uh, it, it's real easy to make things worse, I suppose. Well, I probably have gotten it wrong, but I make sure not to read or edit or do any, you know, check to see if I have any facts right in my stories. I just I just blurt them out and send them in, so, you know. He hopes he's got a good editor. It's all about a good yeah, editor. We can't worry about facts. They're, they're really not that important. 
Well, let's talk about some facts because um, we've got uh, a, a great tournament lining up here. Tiger, who has won eight times, would love to probably be playing and is out with a neck strain. Do you have any uh, update on this injury? Well, I'd like to come up with a fancy story, but no. I just think it's he's at his advanced age, and after all his medical history, he's got to be careful. But more importantly, what this says is Tiger's thinking, i got to make sure I'm ready for the Masters. So obviously, if there's if there's one tournament he would play if he could if he could at all, it'd be a place where he's won eight times. I mean, you know that. Yeah. So the fact that he's not playing this week tells you it's not good for him either this week or long term. So I don't. But yeah, it, yeah. When the guy's had spine issues, the neck. I mean, is his is his spinal fusion finally working its way up the spine to affect his neck? I mean, we can overreact, we can underreact. None of us really have seen any charts. We don't have any information on Tiger's injuries except what he tells us, which usually is very little. And, uh, you know, to be polite, he hasn't done a great job of giving us, think, telling us things that are actually factual a lot of the time. So we don't know what, you never know what to think. So it's a shame he's not here this week, but I think you saw last week at Honda where all oh, everyone was all worried about how the field's not that good, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter who's there. A good finish is a good finish. And, you know, you'd wind up having Kepka and Ricky Fowler right there. Okay, the, the no-name guy is the Palm Beach Post called him one, Keith Mitchell. But <laughs> I was I was drained after that watching that finish. I, I was like Azinger. I had sweaty palms. I was I was tired. I was exhausted. Yeah, so I... you don't have to have big names to have a great tournament. And this tournament, you know, Bay Hills had a lot of great names. And we've had a lot of, you know, Keith Mitchell type guys win the tournament over the years too. So there's been a mix, but all you want is an exciting ending. That's all you really want. And we sure did last year. Um, speaking of Mr. Azinger, we know he's uh, stepped into Johnny Miller's shoes and uh, has taken over in the booth at NBC. Of course, uh, uh, Golf Channel being right here in our backyard in Orlando. We had kind of an interesting chat with uh, Paul on the driving range earlier today, Gary. Uh, anything that struck you in some of his comments? Well, it was funny that he we were talking about, uh, he was talking about his idea on the swing and the swing theory. He and Phil Blackmar are doing some stuff. And, you know, we, we established, I think you were there, we established that if he was doing a, a, an instruction book, it would be titled Turn, Turn, Swish. That's the swing. You turn, you turn again, and then when you just go forward, that's when you swing the club with your arms and the club goes swish. So it's turn, turn. So that was a swing. So how's that for a golf swing in a nutshell? You know, three words is your is your swing thought. Mine's so usually was, turn, kind of turn, fun. whiff. But... Yeah, turn, turn, miss hit, or, you know, something like that. Turn, turn, uh, wide right. <laughs> yeah, turn, turn, creek, eight. <laughs> Cave in and then yeah. Well, I, uh, Charles 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 Barkley's swing would be like nine words. Oh my god! But Azinger's got it down to three. Um, you know what I thought was very interesting, and and we see it right. You you hear the guys uh, in these pressers always talk about it's you know they just want to be there on Sunday. They just want to put themselves in position on Sunday, and and Paul was talking about you know how the players are constantly trying to put the pieces together. I think. You know, as um, as fans of golf, people think, you know, these guys come 
every day with their A game. And, you know, a lot of times, and, and we probably saw it on Sunday, I mean, you know, Ricky didn't seem like he, his, his game was on fire, and the next thing you know, he's, he's in the mix there and had a chance to win it. Uh, that a lot of these guys are constantly trying to figure out, you know, how to get it done. Well, it, it's hard to be. It's hard to hit on all cylinders, which is what you have to do nowadays to win on tour. I, I mean, if you go back to the '70s, I think guys used to say, "Well, if you have one great round, you know, and one pretty good round, you could have two okay rounds and win." And over the years, and with the equipment making every kind of lifting, lifting everyone, I think the bar's a lot higher. You can't have, you almost can't afford just even one okay round. You gotta have three pretty good rounds and a great round to win. And to do that you gotta make putts and I, I remember Steve Elkington talking about he was always practicing on um, the the four parts of the game, which was short game, putting, irons and woods. And they're all kind of very different. And it's it's hard to have all four things working at once. And let's say you do have all four things working at once. You love the way you're stroking the putter but you get on a course maybe with Bermuda greens and you just can't read them, so you don't make putts. Uh, and, you know, and some other guy is not hitting as good, but he makes putts. I mean, there's just so. He, anyways, Elkington's point was he was always analyzing where do I st- where each of my game parts of my game stand right now. Now my short game isn't that is not an A, maybe it's a B minus. I got to work on that more. He spent more time on sections of the game depending on where he was, but. Not nobody's ever sitting around. I'm, I'm an A plus in all four categories all the time. So, uh, and I mean that at the high level, where you're able to go out, you know, you're going to shoot four under every time, which is where, where these guys have to be. You know, Jeff and I go out, and we're like, if I have one part of my game that's a B, you know, that's a, you know, how, how many? I think it's almost universal. How many of us go out and have a great day with a driver or a great day with the woods, but you can't hit your irons? Yeah. Or you have to hit your irons great, but you don't hit your woods because they're a different swing. Or, you know, you can't hit anything, but you chip and putt it great. So, you know, even even we can have good days with parts of the game, but to play professionally, you have to have all four parts of the game on, you know, and you got to do it for 72 holes, which, you know, again, we, Jeff and I were out on the first hole in this whole category, not 72 <laughs> holes. Although Mr. Van Sickle does happen to have a scratch golf game, so... He does know what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah, we well, were. Well, I used to, then I got old and things, body parts broke. You know, as soon as we get the bionic, uh, Steve Austin bionic body parts, I'm back in the mix. There you go. Until then, until then, I'm not. Champions Tour, here he comes. Hey, just curious. Don't just fix me, make mm-hmm. me better. <laughs> just curious. We, we hear the phrase, my A game, whether it's winning without my A game or, or you know, one of my competitors has his a game going what 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 is an a game these days how would you define that well hmm well i think uh i think making putts makes guys feel like they've got an a game going mm. but in this day and age i think if you go out and drive the ball like a genius i mean most of the guys on tour are out there because they uh what the average last year was 296 was a driving distance and you had Cameron Champ on the web.com averaging 343. Well, if Cameron Champ hits a 343 down the middle on all the uh, non-par threes, how, how's he looking? He's never going to have more than a wedge into anything. He's going to be he's, that's an A game. He, he's going to be he's going to be able to attack that course and light it up. 
uh, you know, not everybody's going to hit it that far. But I think, you know, it's I think having your A game is having control of the ball and control of all the shots you have, whether that's one shot or, you know, like Tiger was always working on the nine shots, you know, the high fade, low fade, low draw, all that stuff. Yeah. You know, most tour players don't play that way. I, you know, I don't. I don't know how often most tour players even try to go against their natural tendency. Um, but I think having your A game is when you can do whatever you want, whatever your ar- whatever you have in your arsenal, even if it's only left or right. If you're on with that day, that's your A game, and you got it, and you know, and you don't you don't have to worry about it. And I, I don't, you know. I don't know how often those guys feel like they have their A games. It's tough to do it for 18 holes. That's right, and uh, it was sure tough on Sunday at the Honda, and we can only hope we're going to have that kind of a finish Sunday at Bay Hill. As always, Gary Van Sickle, check him out on themorningread.com, the best in our business. Thank you so much, my friend. It was great being had. You're (laughs) listening to the Golf Insiders 96.9 The Game. More golf talk coming up. Stay with us. Well, I don't want to take all the credit for their talent, but uh, first I had to teach them to play golf. Then I had to teach them to sing, and then I taught them to play various instruments, none of which they do very well. I want my dream. Yeah, yeah, really not so We're back. The Golf Insiders wrapping up an hour of intelligent golf talk in the house, Holly G, along with my special caddy and co-host, Jeff Shane. And uh, don't forget to check us out on Facebook at the Golf Insiders. And also, if you're interested in getting some cool swag, as well as participating in some of our future contests, join our e-club. Go to thegolfinsiders.com, thegolfinsiders.com, and you'll get our weekly e-newsletter along with our podcast and a copy of tonight's show. That comes out every Thursday after the Golf Insiders. And uh, we're on kind of a, a, a abbreviated schedule for the month of March due to Magic Games. Uh, once the Magic season is over, we'll be back to our regular time slot, 6 to 7. Uh, we will be on Monday night, this Monday night, 6.30 to 7. So check us out then. And um, and then we'll, we'll recap, we'll recap. All the stuff from Bay Hill from the weekend. Yep, and then we'll be previewing the players. I can't believe it. Uh, so <laughs> we've got we got a lot going on, and um, we appreciate you tuning in and checking us out. And uh, we we love love uh, love our listeners and appreciate appreciate all our fans. And Jeff, uh, a lot going on out at Arnold Palmer. The one thing we really do want to plug for people that may be going out to the tournament is this Arnold Palmer experience that they have. This is brand new. Um, really cool, interactive experience. Talk about it. Yeah, you just you a, wrote about it in the Sentinel. Yeah, a chance to uh, kind of um, focus on, on Arnie's memory, what he meant not only to the game of golf, but he may have been the most influential sportsman of our time. When you look at everything else he touched, be it business, be it endorsements, be it aviation, family man, friend with presidents, uh, you get a chance to look at all of that again uh, in what I keep saying is amazingly a very small space that they have just jam-packed with 
interactive uh, materials. You can watch a six-minute film. I would have hated to have had to edit that down from whatever it began as, but it's a six-minute film on Arnold Palmer's life. Uh, you get a chance to duplicate or replicate some of the famous swings that he had, including driver off the deck at Bay Hill, but his trophies are on display. His jackets are on display. His golf bag from him when he was 12 years old is on display at the Arnold Palmer Experience. That is so, so cool. <laughs> right off the 10th tee along the fairway there. Really, uh, really awesome. We got a chance to check it out. So uh, just fantastic. Great for any fan of the game to uh, go experience the Arnold Palmer Experience. So let's look at the field. What do you what do you think, my friend? This is always the hardest <laughs> it, thing. It's uh, a top-heavy field. It's, yeah. It's very hard to go beyond the top dozen, certainly the top 15 players uh, in, in the field. Um, and I'm not just talking necessarily about the world rankings, but who's hot, who's coming in with a little bit of uh, momentum. Uh, it's just, to me, it's so very hard to look past what Rory McIlroy has done in 2019. Four starts, four top five finishes, runner-up last time out in Mexico. The only thing he hasn't done is one, but this is a place that he loves. He is a defending champion. I'm not much into players defending uh, titles successfully except for a handful. Roy McIlroy is in that handful. But he's got to beat three players above him in the world rankings. Well, and uh, Justin Rose... Number three last year yeah. at the Arnold Palmer, so he would be a good pick. Patrick Reed was tied for seventh. Patrick's been playing. He Starting might be, you know, a little bit. he might be somebody, uh, you know, out of the pack. Uh, what about Phil? What do you think about Phil's chances? I, I, I think Phil may be having to get reacquainted with the course. As we know, Bay Hill changes a little bit every year. Maybe not so much now that Arnie doesn't tinker. But uh, it's a different-looking Bay Hill. It is, a, I think, a little stronger Bay Hill. And when you're 48, I love Phil, and he's had a great start. But, but when he comes west to east, he loses a little bit of that mojo, and, which I think is part of the reason why he did not play the Florida Swing at all much uh, in recent years. I just think you have a hard time figuring out when is Phil going to be on and when, when is he struggling. Here's a here's a tournament that I think one guy would really love to win, Ricky Fowler. Yes, I mean that would mean so much to Ricky Fowler, and 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 he's been playing well. He's got a win under his belt this year already. Uh, that's I think one of the great things about this field is that we have guys coming in on form. They're not just big names uh, who may have been struggling. These guys are all playing well, and and not only that, these guys all would love to win Arnold's cardigan sweater. Oh, the alpaca red <laughs> sweater. Yes. That might be the first time Rory ever had red on. What do you think, being an Irishman or an orangeman? Well, he looked good in it. Pretty, you know, pretty close, I guess, right? Yeah. What about DJ? DJ would look good in it if he was here. Oh, <laughs> I digress. <laughs> oh, well, first show of the year, you know. Got to have one little whiff. All right, check us out on Facebook, The Golf Insiders. Go to thegolfinsiders.com and register for our e-club so you can get cool swag and all kinds of great stuff. And uh, we'll be back Monday night, 6.30, The Golf Insiders. Jeff Shane, Holly G, hit them straight. We love you. And... Go Arnold Palmer Invitational. Get out there and have a great time. See you at Bay Hill. Bye-bye.